I'm Ryan Krofcheck, and this is the Opera House Story Sessions, the podcast that brings you the histories and the folklore of the people who've carried and continue to carry the music born out of these hills and hollers. Today, we'll hear from Trevor Hammonds of the legendary old-time music family, the Hammonds family. So, family histories are complicated, even if you're not part of the famous fiddle or banjo-playing family tree. So when Trevor and I spoke, we focused more on his relationship with his family and not so much the details of each branch. And one thing felt clear after our chat, his connections to the older generation of the Hammonds weren't forged through physical interactions, but something more ethereal. It's the music itself. Like how someone else might feel that they know their grandmother they've never met because they learned her pasta sauce and spaghetti recipes. Learning his family tunes is how he got to know them. I never got to meet any of them. None of them at all. The only way I met them was through music. And that's why it's, you know, it's such a big thing for me because I didn't get to meet my granddad either. He passed away the year before I was born. But he played the guitar, his name was Harold. But his dad, he's like a huge impact on my whole life, even though I never met him. Mm. I still feel like I did. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could talk to him all the time just through playing the banjo. It's like a connection, you know? Yeah. And they always talked about, you know, like, oh, you, you already listened to this sometime. And I really was never interested at first. So Dwight Diller gave us this CD, bless his heart. He gave us, it was like a, the full recording of my great-grandfather. Dwight Diller is a local musician who was one of the first people to start hanging around the Hammondses, including Trevor's great-grandfather, Lee Hammonds. And you know, I heard some of those tunes on there, and I was like, it like drew my attention. I was like, whoa, you know, that sounds cool. I want to do that. That's cool. You know? And so, of course, I started out like basically every kid does with playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. And it was just torture to me. <laughs> I could not stand it, and I didn't want to go to my lessons with Pam. Pam Lund is a music teacher who taught a lot of folks here in Pocahontas County. And Pam's reputation may not come with an international legacy over 100 years old like the Hammonds is, but locally, Pam is a legend, teaching the likes of many, including some of our other story session musicians like Kelsey Beveridge and, of course, Trevor Hammonds. She moved here in the 70s from Florida. She actually owned a, a music shop down there. And she moved up here. And she actually spent a lot of time with the Hammonds family. And so did Dwight Diller. So it wasn't just Pam and Dwight, but they were the keys that unlocked this world to so many outsiders looking to find old-timers still playing this style of music. And anyone who plays Hammonds tunes today owes a debt of gratitude to a handful of folks who spent time recording and otherwise documenting the Hammonds family around the 1970s. One notable recording made it into the Library of Congress. You know, because their style of music was so much different than any other thing in the whole world. Because they made it their own. They were hunter-gatherers, and they, they didn't go anywhere. You know, they, you really couldn't let it die. In particular, their style was known for that rustic sound forged on the early Appalachian frontier. In the 1970s, they were still living that pioneer life, and their music was a direct reflection of that. They would play music when they could, but music didn't pay the bills, which meant in the hardest of times, there wasn't time for playing music, even in this family. My great-granddad, he he left for years. You know, he quit playing the banjo for it was almost like 50-some years. Wow. He didn't touch a banjo. He went and worked in the mines on, you know, lumber mills. Uh, he worked at a duck farm, wow. uh, carpentry, just anything he could to support his family because he had so many kids. 
Now, you'll start to hear some sirens in the background as Trevor continues the story about his great-granddad. Just consider it part of the ambiance outside the opera house in downtown Marlinton, West Virginia. But when he came back, they said he just, he never forgot how to play it. They picked it up, and it was like he just left yesterday and came back with the banjo. And I thought that was cool. And then he learned the fiddle all at the same time. version from Pam, Pam Lund, when I was a kid, and the second, the second version is more the one I learned just from hearing other people play it, because it's crazy how other people play a tune, they, or from other, from other places, because every tune's different everywhere, so. The A part's basically the same, but the B part, people that don't really know the music or can uh, pick out different things. It might sound the same to you too, but like, it's very different. <laughs> Sherman Hammonds is well known for his traditional Appalachian style of singing, playing the banjo, and fiddling. He played his fiddle in a very fine, archaic style reminiscent of his Uncle Eddins. So that one's like way more melodic, uh, more of a frailing style, so it's a little different. His Uncle Eddin, born in 1876, is probably the most well known of the Hammondses, unlike Trevor's Uncle Dewey, who's hard to find any information on. He passed away in 2011 from a house fire. He played a two-finger style, which the two-finger style is older than Clawhammer. Okay. It's not a three-finger style. It's uh, it's nothing like bluegrass. It's really weird, and I only oh. play I only play one tune like that. I, and, and I could never figure it out. You typically play in the claw, claw <coughs> style. Yeah, that's all I do is claw hammer. Okay. And claw hammer is a style where the strings are struck using the back of your index or middle fingernail, and then alternatively plucked with your thumb. So you'll hear this style basically from any old-time band, like the Bing Brothers. So here's Trevor in that style playing a Bing Brothers tune, Grumbling Old Men and Growling Old Woman. It's one of my favorite tunes the Bing Brothers play. <clears throat> if I can play it. Trevor was saying his Uncle Dewey played this funky two-finger style, also known as thumb lead. 
It's similar to the claw hammer, but instead of striking the strings with the back of your fingernails and then plucking, you would use your thumb and two fingers. And he always had these really long fingernails. They were like, I'm not even kidding, they were probably two inches long. <laughs> he never clipped them. And he was always up in his workshop. And he, I'd go see him with my dad every day. Really? And he, he'd give me a dollar every day just playing the banjo with him. When he passed away, I got one of his banjos that it's nothing old or anything. It was actually bought down at C.J. Richardson's like probably 30 years ago or something. But the first banjo I ever played was one of his because he, he told me that if I learned how to play a tune and I could come play it for him, that I could have that banjo. Really? And that was the first banjo I ever had. last girl that's left out of all of them is my Aunt Helen. She's still living. She's, she's the last one, uh, the last kid alive. She's a sweet lady. Um, she never played any music, really. Uh, if anything, she sung a little bit here and there, but I don't know. Yeah, throughout these sessions, uh, you know, pretty much every musician has has talked about the Hammonds, and so right. it's been a real treat to, you know, have have one in the in the flesh here. Yeah. And it's really inspiring to hear you talk about the kind of calling that you naturally had from this. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Um, so like, I started out and I was playing the guitar, and I hated it. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I remember. I told my mom I was sick. I was like, I'm not going. I have a cold. I'm, I'm not going to my guitar lesson. You couldn't pay me to go. And I, I finally just came out and said it. It's like, I want to I wanna play the banjo. Mm -hmm. And Pam, she didn't want me to yet. You know, really? I played the guitar for like two months. And she said, you know, to learn that first. Just stick with it a little longer, see if you like it. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd go to our jam sessions. We used to have jam sessions every other Saturday at the McClinic Library down here in Marlington. And I'd see all these these guys playing banjos, and I was so jealous. Like, it sounds so cool, you know. And I wanted to play it. She finally, you know, gave in. She let me. She gave me one lesson. Within the first thirty minutes, you know, I could I could play the you know the the basic tune that everybody learns called "Boiling Cabbage Down," <laughs> and I played that. And she said that my hand looked like um, like it was an eighty year old man's hand. Of how natural it came to me, and so fast. Looking back on it, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand what they were talking about. I was like, "What do you mean? I'm just learning how to play the banjo." But looking back on it now, it came so natural to me that I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how it was possible. Because mm -hmm. playing it now, I really, I don't know. I just, it's just there. I don't have to do it. Right. I don't have to like play the banjo. I have to play the fiddle. And it's hard, but the banjo, I, I never really had to play it. It just came out, you know? Because um, once I started with that first lesson, you know, she was like, that's his instrument. And she literally walked through it. My mom would always sit and read magazines and wait on me instead of leaving. And she ran out there and told her, like, that's, that's his instrument right there. You need to buy him one, you know? And after that happened, I just took off with it. And within, Three years or four years, I was already you know, going to Vandalia competing and stuff and having a good time with that. And 
but if it wasn't for the banjo, if it wasn't for music in general, I don't really know where I'd be. Yeah. I don't know what kind of person I'd be. Yeah. Or anything like that. more friends that are above the age of 50 than I do friends my age. I have, like, I was always friends with the older people, and I think that's a reason why I am like I am, because, like, one of my closest friends ever is Ruth Randall. She could play anything, and she helped me so much along the way. She would, you know, back me up in my competitions when I was a kid, and, and she's just, I can't wait till Algonia comes this year because I hope she's there. She better be there. So you hear Trevor mention Allegheny Echoes, which is this old-time and bluegrass music festival camp. And much of the fun happens after hours at the motel, the Marlington Motor Inn. For Trevor, Tim Bing of the Bing Brothers is someone who helped him learn the tunes just right. When I heard Tim Bing's music for the first time, what the heck, you know? Mm-hmm. How's he doing that? Because he was getting all these crazy notes that, like, you should only be able to do on a fiddle. Mm-hmm. You know, banjo's not supposed to really do that. <laughs> and Tim just made it look so easy and a lot of people say that you could you could blindfold somebody right here in front of us you could put me and Tim side by side and you would not be able to tell he's different really and that was my goal learning from him I wanted to play identical to him note for note and exactly the way he does and I like to say it's almost spot on like it's what I wanted yeah. and I worked for it I love it. <laughs> now, during your set, you were talking a lot about the, this kind of honeymoon suite that you and yes, you, you learned a lot of these tunes from. Yes. Where it was the first time that you got just a one-on-one yeah. with with Tim. Can you tell me a little bit about so, how that, all that happened? Every year that I ever remember, I got echoes. Tim Bing. And Dee Dee, his wife, I don't know if she's his wife yet, but might as well be, she's a sweet lady. They would always have a honeymoon suite. That was their room. And I'd never really got to play just me and Tim. Because usually we was playing with, you know, 30 to 50 people, however many people were sitting there. And I just walked in there one night, he's making a sandwich. <laughs> and I just, we sat down, actually I was sitting on a Coleman cooler. He was sitting in like a, I don't even know what it was. We was just sitting there, we had our banjos, and it was like a dream come true. And he just asked me right there on the spot, like, what do you want to learn? What do you want to learn right now? And I had so many tunes in my head that I wanted to learn from him, there was not enough time. So I chose Cauliflower because he played that in contests all the time. And I wanted to learn it because I wanted to use it myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to learn it note for note how he did. And so he, he sat right there and he showed it to me. <clears throat> Okay, I can play that one now. Top of my head, I don't remember because that's my favorite one. But I took his class every year 
I think my last year I took one of his classes, I was 16. Everybody asked me why I wouldn't take anybody else's class. I was like, it's Tim Bang, you know? Mm-hmm. His style is it's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, it's not even like, it's effortless. I don't know. <laughs> it yeah. just freaks me out. Yeah. Now, now, Allegheny Echoes, uh, for those of you that don't know Allegheny Echoes, it's but... wonderful. Allegheny Echoes, uh, for me and anybody else, you kind of have to experience it. It's, um, you know, it's in the mountains of here in West Virginia, up at the Marlton Motor Inn. Mm-hmm. Right, in Pocahontas County. Pocahontas County. And it's, they have, there's every, the best musicians they can have to teach you right there in front of you. You got a whole week to just learn whatever you want. And when I say like the best musicians that you could pick, they're right there. And they're the nicest people ever. And Mike, he sets it up perfectly every year. It's that we've never had a bad one. There's just nothing like Allegheny Echoes. And if you're Allegheny Echoes, you're part of a family. To be in that musical family there, like everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's more new people every year mm-hmm. and you get to know them all. And even, even if you don't play an instrument and you're just coming to hang out, and like if your kids are coming to learn and you, and you don't play anything, you still don't feel unwelcome. Mm. Everybody makes you feel the same. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about the music. There's socializing, there's eating, there's drinking. It's all a part of Echoes. They have a, the wild game night where Chef Tim Bing gets behind there and cooks all this like wild boar and like oysters and they, go, they get deer meat somehow. And, you know, <laughs> somehow. And it's great to see Tim in a, an apron cooking in this underneath this tent with all these big grills and stuff. And there's just like a big feast. That's awesome. And every night, all night long, it's playing music everywhere you look. If you've never been to Echoes, just think about it as being able to walk around the inside of a jukebox, where every room inside the Marlington Motor Inn is a different disc of songs that plays as you open the door or walk around the corner. But instead of just listening, you get to learn the tunes as you explore. I played this one a lot in contests. It's called Gravel Walk. I'm assuming Tim Bang taught it to me. Or I wouldn't be able to play it how I can, because I wouldn't just be able to learn that, I don't think. think it is about this area that it's I mean it's so rich in, in culture you know you have Allegheny Echoes right. you have your your family's heritage mm-hmm. and history you have the Opera House uh, what do you think that it is about this area that just just bleeds I think you know, music and culture the music's stuck here mm-hmm. it won't go anywhere you know it's like it's embedded we have the best musicians in this world and it really helps us in a way, because if we didn't have that, like what we have here, I mean, we really didn't have anything. <laughs> There's not much in Pocahontas County besides, you know, I think it's the most beautiful county in West Virginia, and the best one to live in by far, by my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's a hard question to answer, really, <laughs> because the people that do live in Pocahontas County, they they know the music's here, and they love it. I mean, mm-hmm. they, it's like a way of life for them, too, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Now, now, your family just got inducted into the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame this, yes. this past year, and yep. you were the one that accepted the, the award on behalf yes, of the I family. Did. 
Can you tell me a little bit about that experience and, um, and how that was? When I was nine years old, I met this lady at the Augusta Festival um, down at the park at d and And they let me make a three-track CD in their little studio that they had rolling around. They pulled it behind the truck. That was where I first met them. And they told me all about the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. And they had, like, you know, so many people that you, you knew. And I was confused. I was like, because I knew about my family and stuff. And I, I forget which year it was. It was the first time they were going to, they inducted them. I can't remember. They talked about it. They were on the list 2016 or something. And it was a crazy experience, though. I bet. Because there's nothing I'd ever done before. So you, um, you, you thought that your family, you know, obviously should have been inducted into the Hall of Fame before this. So, yeah. And so. It was uh, confusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm sure for, for a lot of us. Um, and, and that was that was kind of one of my questions, too, was, you know, even before you going to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, did you already kind of have that sense of pride in your family? Yes, because, you know, at Clifftop, that's a great example. I've met people from so many different countries that whenever I'm sitting there playing with them, I'd be sitting there for like three hours just jamming out with these people, and I'd finally introduce myself, and they'd know who I was. And they'd know who my family was, and they'd say, oh, well, let's, let's play some Hammonds tunes now. It's like, you know, my, you know my family's music, and you're from, you know, wherever, yeah. all the way over there? That's crazy. Uh-huh. To, to, to know that it's everywhere in the world. Everybody knows who they are if, if they play this style of music. Now, does that excite you or does yes. it scare you? It excites me. It, it, in no way are you scared or you, do you feel like you're like, I'm not living up. No, uh, because I feel like it's not going to die. Right. It'll that's, always be there. That's what's important. Yeah. You know. That's the only thing I'm trying to do. Right. You know? And it's, it's, been, it's been pretty crazy, the whole ride. Yeah. But it's been awesome at the same time. Yeah. And I kind of wish I wouldn't have grew up so fast. Right. It feels like my childhood flew by, but I had so much fun though every year. You know, something that uh, Jake said last night that really kind of stuck with me was like, he's lived all of these multiple lives. Yeah. And, you know, from the time that he was 10 until the time that he was 20 was a different life. From the time yeah. that he was 20 to 30, you it's know. different. Anyone who's ever picked up an instrument or heck, danced along to one knows that music has a way of changing the way time passes or at least the way that it feels like it's passing trevor says it feels like just yesterday he was so small that he could barely carry his own banjo i remember when i would sit in tim bing's class it'd be so hard for me to learn something and then one day just all of a sudden out of nowhere i could just sit down and i could listen to it one time or i could just go to a jam listen to the tune one time through and just jump right back in as soon as that next day part came around you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, that was a huge step for me. Just then, as we were wrapping up our conversation, Trevor remembers a story about meeting and learning a tune with Ron Molinex, who learned from Trevor's great grandfather. I forgot to mention one thing, and it's probably one of the most important things. At Augusta one year, I saw on the paper that Ron was teaching the advanced banjo class, and Pam wanted me to meet him so bad. She talked about him for like years. That's all she ever talked about. Well, that following October, for the October Old Time Week, I was so excited. My mom came up there, she stayed with me because I was still too young to drive, and I got to meet Ron Mullinex, you know? And I thought it was so fascinating because 
you know, like my great granddad kind of taught you how to play the banjo almost, you know, like helped you out with that. That's awesome. And he was sitting there and he, whenever I was in his class, he just kind of made me feel like, you know, how like honored he was that he could teach me something. And he taught me one of my great granddad's tunes that he showed him, that he taught him, uh, called Johnny Booger. I should have played it, but, but it didn't come to mind. Um, but that was probably my most memorable week of any festival ever. Wow. Just learning from him. Even though Trevor didn't play Johnny Booger for us that night, we were able to track down a copy of the 1973 vinyl, Shaking Down the Acorns, with, you guessed it, his great-grandfather, Lee Hammonds. This has been an Opera House Story Session. This podcast is produced by me, Ryan Krofchek, and Emily Chen Newton of Figure Podcasts. The theme music comes from the Black Mountain Bluegrass Boys. Huge thanks for Trevor Hammonds for sitting down and sharing his songs and stories, and to Bryn Cusick, as well as the entire Opera House Foundation, for their guidance on this series, which is funded in part by the West Virginia Humanities Council, the Snowshoe Foundation, West Virginia Department of Arts, Culture, and History, and by listeners and supporters like you. If you've enjoyed listening to the Opera House Story Sessions, be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast platform, as well as give us a like, subscribe, and share. Check out more episodes on our website at pocahontasoperahouse.org. This episode features music from Trevor Hammonds and Lee Hammonds. Just to play on the banjo, it's like a connection, you know?